Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare, Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the search for flight MH370. Nick, can you lead us in on this? Yeah, well, I, I, they've recently called off the search for MH370, at least in the area uh, where they were fairly sure it was going to be. Uh, so just, I mean, everyone must be aware of this, but just to explain, this is the aeroplane, which I think a couple of years ago uh, disappeared under absolutely baffling circumstances um, and, uh, you know, was started quite quickly going the wrong way, then sort of appeared to um, change course a few times and ended up, uh, they think, um, based on you know indirect inference, they uh, they think ended up somewhere in um, the Indian Ocean, and it was only meant to be a short trip. Um, so uh, yeah, anyway, it was a, you know absolutely baffling. Uh, no one knows. Obviously, they can't find the black box recorder, so they don't know what was happening on uh, on the plane. The uh, records of where it was were based on kind of inference from um, satellite uh, navigation pings. Uh, it, it's um, you know, and so there was a great, huge amount of interest. Um, not quite, and I think quite apart from wanting to understand it so that we can make sure it doesn't happen again. I think people are uh, you know interested in it because we desperately want an explanation for it, and that that's I think what we want to talk about really is what is it about unexplained mysteries? What what makes them particularly compelling, and and what do we mean by an unexplained mystery? Okay, so should we start off by trying to answer that question that that that, that Nick has just posed? Um, Peter or Chris, does one of you want to go for that? Yeah. So, I, so I think there's probably formal and semi-formal definitions of what when things become inexplicable. Uh, I'm sure that the police have criteria by which point they downscale the amount of uh, resources uh, uh, given to over to a particular investigation. Presumably, at some point where all possible avenues have been explored and no new information is arriving uh, and so they can't progress the investigation any further and it becomes a cold case and then, then turns up on new tricks in 20 years' time. But the, 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 so it, is, it probably has some indirect, uh, albeit not formal, definition relating to the rate at which new information is found or the expected cost of gaining new information. Yes, and also the value of what it, maybe you said this. I don't know. Maybe the value of what it is we're after. Uh, yeah, and presumably the, val- yeah, the value, which although that won't be any uh, consolation to the, the families of the victims in a crime or air crash, but at some point it becomes just too expensive to continue. And the I think the the, the figures uh, for the cost of the search for MH MH three seventy run in run into the hundreds of millions of, of, uh, of uh, Australian dollars uh, in, in the search for the search for that aircraft. I mean what what I think is uh, interesting is how how the strength of our curiosity about um, this kind of mystery isn't necessarily governed by the value of finding out the answer um, and 
to illustrate this, I'm going to tell you about the the story. Um, well, I won't I won't tell you about the title of the uh, of the story. But um, uh, I live down um, in uh, in Bournemouth by the sea, uh, and I was walking along the beach one day, and um, I saw something strange, sort of bobbing up and down in the shallows. Uh, and I thought I'd better go and see what you know. It just kind of piqued my interest. I went over to to see what it was, and as I rescued uh, this this item. I realized it was a coconut um, and um, I, I, I started to think about how this coconut might have made it onto onto the beach. I was like has so has this dropped off a off a tropical island somewhere and washed all the way to my shore? was it a, you know a shipwreck sort of transporting a giant cargo of coconuts somewhere? Uh, was it somebody around the corner? at a local coconut shy or something, you know, who who won a coconut and didn't know what to do with it, so they threw it in the sea. Um, but they couldn't really explain why I, why I was so interested in this, but I sort of kind of became a bit fascinated by where the coconut had come from, so much so that I... I it now sort of stands pride of place in my, in my house. Well, wait unexpl- a minute, where did the coconut come from? Well, I don't know. It's wait, an unexplained see, mystery. Now, <clears throat> so this is actually quite quite closely related to my theory of what makes an unexplained mystery uh, that's only i think slightly unexplained i i um there are a world is full of unexplained mysteries like i don't know there's a bush in in my front garden i don't know who planted it right why is that not Someone an interesting did. right so and i think this points to uh, my theory about what makes something an unexplained mystery is that every hypothesis we can come up with um, puts a very low probability on the thing having happened. So so in the case of MH370, all of the explanations people have advanced have at least one piece of um, the jigsaw puzzle which isn't consistent with it. You know, it, it, no explanation seems to fit the data. And I think that's where we really sort of keep thinking and thinking and thinking because we think that out there, there's a hypothesis that explains it. Now, in the case of the coconut, uh, it... it, it Actually, you know, it is it's superficially, you know, quite unusual. And you most of the explanations actually are going to be implausible. But one of them is probably going to be true. Probably a guy had a coconut and he threw it away onto the beach. It's probably something like that. Now, you but think, why did he throw the coconut away? Right. But it doesn't happen very often. Right. So, I mean, people don't often throw coconuts onto beaches, but it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. Uh, so, I mean, it strikes me that in that instance, it's a bit of a puzzle. It reminds me, actually, I had a, and often, you know, often it, the, I think, I think part of the, where this, where this sort of is an intellectual exercise, where, where it becomes the hard bit of this is thinking of the hypothesis, thinking of the explanation. It's, you know, it's not like we've got 20 explanations and we're not sure which is right. If we had 20, you know, one of them is probably true. That's fine. It's where it's where there's something where we, we cannot think of a hypothesis which seems to fit those facts. Um, I, I remember what, it's interesting you mentioned beaches. I remember walking uh, along the beach in Norfolk one, one day and I saw a load of bubbles apparently coming out of the sand, like shiny bubbles, uh, almost like suds. But they were they were just sort of bubbles, and I thought this is some strange beach phenomenon that I've never seen before, like bubbles appearing out of the sand. And then I looked down and I looked round, and there was a little girl blowing bubbles out of a bubble thing, and they were landing <laughs> on the sand. And I and uh, that was you know mystery solved. But actually, uh, it, it, my brain didn't go there first, and um, I had a similar thing a couple of a uh, couple of months ago, where 
my TV remote suddenly stopped working and I did all the usual stuff, took the batteries out, rolled them around a bit. Uh, and, you know, and then I discovered that my um, the, the the remote to my um, uh, freeview box wasn't working either. And then it really became I was like, well, there must be some kind of interference coming from outside. Someone must be jamming my remote controls. It seems it's impossible to imagine that they've both broken at the same time. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, je- I was tearing my hair out. I was checking online. Um, turned out that there was a, a plate leaning on my DVD remote. And that was just getting in the way of the other signals. Um, but I, I think, you know, life is, I mean, thank goodness I found that out. Like if I'd have, I could have gone to my grave being, right. g- having gone literally insane trying to work yeah, out and, what and, happened. And refusing to wash up the plate. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but I mean, that, so I think that's the, that's the key here is sort of when we can't think of an explanation which seems to fit those facts. If we can think of an explanation, even if we're not sure if it's the right one, you know, we're kind of okay with it. But it's where we cannot think of an explanation which seems to ex- seems to explain what's going okay. on. Look, I think you're all quite geeky, and I've got a different explanation for this. But um, I will come to my explanation in a moment, Peter. I just I just want to challenge your theory as to why they're interesting, Nick, because um, may- maybe that maybe you've not maybe you don't ponder the the origins of your the bush in your front garden because it's not very exciting. There are lots of bushes you can't explain all over the place, whereas the coconut and the loss of an aircraft are unusual events. No, no, the coconut isn't in itself remotely. It's no more exciting than where my bush came from, but it's just it's just yes, it less is. probable. It's not. It's yeah, more it unusual, is. which makes it less... You know, less it's it's a bush is everywhere. No, yes, exactly. It's a lower, it, it features as having a lower probability in any theory you can come up with. Um, but but the, I'm just saying it's not of any more import... It's not like it's more important somehow. Well, it's more intriguing. Yeah. Well, only. But yeah. Well, that's. I think that's pretty much what I said. It's. It's that. Uh, you know. It, it's it's intriguing probable. because it's less probable under any under any theory. But I'm just saying it's. You know, it's not about the something being unknown. Hmm. Um, it's about it being unexplained. You know. Mm, maybe I don't know. So. But- so I mean, because because if you think about um, great unexplained mysteries historically you know something like the identity of jack the ripper there there are plenty of plausible hypotheses out there and yet people still keep coming back to this this question there's something nagging unfulfilled about it what is it what is it that makes a mystery compelling like like that well i think the answer is um i think it's it's about story and that as as humans is the i don't know why but innately we have this desire or this um, uh, affinity with story, okay? And and one of the things that happens is with stories is that they end and that there's a narrative arc. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so if we have a story where there, there, there is no end, effectively, or where there is no beginning, as in the case of your coconut, we don't know what the beginning was, we know what the end was, uh, is, is there's this sense of incompletion that agitates our minds. Um, now, I, I can't, you know begin to exp- to wonder what the uh, physiological reasons are for this but i do know or i do feel that as as humans we like stories um, I, I, and that's I, what i think it's about I, I would posit that that's that is the kind of effect that makes it intriguing because you there's an unusual circumstance that presents to you an unusual set, set of stimuli your brain has evolved to see that as an opportunity for gathering information which will improve how you then interact with the world later on so maybe it's to do with um, this unusual story, a story that you've never heard before, being compelling, 
because it will teach you something that you've not heard before something yeah. that's not mundane yeah but it doesn't it's not enough because i mean we can it's not enough okay it's not enough to say that it's um uh it's not enough to say that it's improbable in itself because if it's improbable but we've got a good explanation for it then i think we're fine we're happy it's uh, you know and it's not the lack of an explanation because lots of things that you know where where there are 20 perfectly reasonable explanations say jack the river for example i mean there's loads of unsolved murders in victorian london no one cares about them the interesting thing about jack the ripper is that actually the evidence is sort of if, if we could say yes this was just some you know east end scumbag then that would be fine but it's but it's not it's kind of the fact that they appeared to have quite esoteric medical knowledge to be able to dissect their victims the fact that on one night they appeared to travel you know several miles from one one place to another uh consistent possibly with you know owning a carriage and or at least having use of a carriage and you know actually uh, there there isn't a sort of you know and, and if it was someone well educated but what was their motive and you know they actually just they, i think it is to do with the character of the evidence it's not just the the story which makes it compelling and i and i think if we found the answer to jack ripper it would we would just cease to be interested in the story it, it's an so i mean unexplained mystery i was quite interested in big by a few years ago which has now been solved was the 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 sailing stones of the um uh of the racetrack plier in death valley so there were these stones that um were in one place and next time people came back they they'd move this is a sandy desert right big stones they were in they were in one place in the desert and then they they'd moved and to make matters worse they even had a track a trail showing where they'd moved nobody ever saw them in the act and this was one of these great you know was it aliens type things was it, well, what, these huge was it aliens are they huge big stones? boulders okay you couldn't just go in and sort of push them along um turns out it's it's some particular that you know they, they, uh, when it when it's wet and and then cold uh it forms these kind of ice an ice layer and they skid along on the ice layer because of the wind yeah the wind blows them along very very gently on this ice layer i uh actually think it's a less interesting world now i know that yeah <laughs> just find it, find it yeah i find that quite quite boring i mean it's you know it's great that we've found out but it's you know it's no longer something that particularly interests me Okay, so where are we going on this? So, does anyone want to chip in anything at this point? Uh, well, I think from a from an analytical point of view, um, it shows that we uh, our natural curiosity in something is not necessarily determined by uh, a rational assessment of its value, and maybe there is a disconnect organisationally. If you just follow things that are interesting you may not necessarily be uh, looking at the optimal things. So um, perhaps there's a perhaps there's a role to sort of think about um, almost trying to trying to quell curiosity or use curiosity in the right way to achieve um, sort of analytical goals, you know, finding out the right information as opposed to random things about celebrities or crop circles. I think I think there's something there. There's a in business and in government, there's a big drive to in, improve innovation, and it's seen as a separate thing that's different and separate from the normal day-to-day -day business of running the running the show. Uh, and, and maybe that's sort of a natural reaction to prevent. If you said, right, everyone just innovate and we'll let you crack on, then you you forget about doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing uh, and having loads of great ideas 
but not concentrating on making the money that will pay for having the good ideas. So maybe that may, maybe it may and may and maybe business is struggling to find that balance at the moment that because innovation will happen in the job won't be a separate function it'll be somebody who says I, I think I've got a better way of doing this this might be a new product this might be a new service they think they're very the, the, they're actually I'd, I'd say very closely related in the sense that um, forming or identifying a new hypothesis to explain something is uh, sort of is a classic example of, of creative thinking um, you know it's it's sort of it's something that isn't explained by all the theories we have so far and likewise, when you when you think about um, some process or some way of doing something and you want to come up with a better way of doing it, often, you know, the really innovative things will be something which are unlike anything that's happened before. So coming up with a, with a good explanation for something is very similar to coming up with a new technology for doing something uh, in terms of the thought processes. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, obviously one of those things that we want to encourage is um, creative thinking. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's kind of useful for those sorts of things. Nice, um, nice. I like that. Um, we're actually time's flown by. We're quite close to uh, wrapping up. Um, unexplained mysteries. Any? I mean, we've had Chris's example of the coconut that appeared in his life, uh, and which remains in his life um, as part of his growing coconut shrine. Um, anyone else? Any big explained mysteries in your life? I, well, I, Chris looks well, like he's got another one, but we'll come to it in a moment. Well, uh, I've got a glitch, glitch in the Matrix, uh, as it's known on Reddit. Is um, when I was about uh, eight, I was in the playground with with uh, you know a bunch of other lads, and we and uh, chap chap called Peter Thewlis was swinging a cricket bat, bat around, uh, you know, just waving it around. We were standing nearby, and I very distinctly saw this cricket bat. Uh, extend to about 10 feet in length and swing about an inch from my nose and I would have thought trick of the light very weird but my friend Tim who was standing next to me turned to me and said was it me or did that cricket bat just just get really really long and swing past our noses and um, I cannot I mean I just I have no idea what freak phenomenon occurred what strange illusion happened to strike but it's that's uh, always stuck in my mind as one of those things which I can't I just you know I know that there's nothing I'll ever be able to do to find out what the hell happened I can't think of any example but a sort of mantra that I live by is that I try to eliminate all magic from my world by trying to explain things by being a, a permanent cynic so as soon as I find something even remotely odd I'll research the hell out of it and find out what it what caused this or or what what uh what 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 actually happened but so i, I can't think of any examples i've not been able to satisfy that's what i was going to ask so, and every time you've uh, you've been able to satisfy uh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. usually yes yeah good okay yeah chris you look like you've got another one there no i'm i'm still perplexed by the 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 coconut it, it's it, obsessed it, it remains it remains the world it, it could make the world's most mundane sherlock holmes story I'm couldn't so it the mystery <laughs> the mystery of the dropped coconut um <laughs> You should write a series of stories based on, on it. Each, yeah. each with a, a plausible hypothesis. Yeah, yeah no, that would be yeah. good. Um, I've got one, but it's, it's not exactly an unexplained mystery, but it was just a, just a freak um, coincidence or uh, something that was so improbable. that it, Something that was so improbable, I doubt th that it happened. But actually, I know it did happen. Which was when I was about 15, I was a bit of an insomniac and... Um, and I used to like being an insomniac because I used to sit around sort of um, just imagining all sorts of things, really. And and at that age, I hadn't traveled much, but I, I was really interested in traveling and I was very motivated to do so. And indeed, it, later on in my life, I did go on to travel a reasonable amount. Anyway, 
Well, this one evening, this one night in my bed, I had my atlas, and I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll flick through my atlas, um, close my eyes, flick through, and put my finger down, and I'll do that ten times. And wherever it lands, those are the, I'll write them down, and these are the places that I will visit in my life, which I thought was quite an interesting exercise. So I did this, and I um, put my finger down on the first one, and my finger landed exactly on the word Fraser, okay? And it landed on the Fraser River, which I believe is in Northwest um, America and Canada, sort of near the sort of Klondike, that sort of area. And um, I just sat there for about five minutes, just <laughs> in, a, in astonishment that, at what had just happened. And I can't say, I mean, I now, this is what, 20, or 25 years and later. And that was the day you changed your name to Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm quite surprised you didn't. Uh, end up putting your finger in the middle of the Pacific Ocean because that's well, quite absolutely. Right. But that's the point. There's all sorts of more more probable things that I mean. But let's assume that my memory is correct on this, and I'm you know I do doubt it now. But I, I this really did happen. I, I'd be interested to know the probability of that. Happening. Well, well, you, let's assume it's let's say it's one in a one in a million. Um, <clears throat> the the point is how many things do you do each day? Probably a thousand things. And, you know, so that means there's sort of 300,000 things you do every year. So one every three years, on average, a one in a million chance will happen to you. It's really boring to think of it that way. But, um, but yeah, I, I think there's one p- bit of practical advice, I think, when, when we do encounter uh, an unexplained mystery, is there are, we can, there are probably three things we need to think about. So, we, we, first of all, um, yeah, could be... Un, un, unknown explanation so it could be this requires an explanation and we just haven't thought of it yet but there's also you know it could be a coincidence so if you for example the face on mars or something you know the face on mars famous looks exactly like a face just a coincidence you know we almost certain of that now um you know some would say unfortunately but the thing is that we need to always ask well actually is this just a coincidence in your case was it just a coincidence or was was the fraser river calling to you uh, and uh, finally, of course, you know, that maybe the data are wrong. So in this case, that would be, or maybe you remembered it wrong. Uh, you know, the, a great unexplained mystery where the data are wrong is the mystery of the crystal skulls, which, you know, no one could work out how they'd been produced by, you know, the Aztecs in with such a high degree of quality and so on. And it turns out they were all made in the Victorian era and, you know, are not, in fact, ancient or mysterious at all. So, yeah, so, you know, when it looks unexplained, at least, first of all, just make sure it's not a coincidence or or that you've got your data wrong first. Makes perfect sense, apart from the fact you've forgotten number four, magic. Because um, magic. Yeah. <laughs> what a magic, wizard, sorry? A wizard did it. Just because magic. Yeah. <laughs> Just because magic. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Uh, chaps, thank you very much. Um, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with myself, Fraser McGrewer, with Chris Rag, Nick Hare, and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Thank you, as always, for listening. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.